Hello and welcome to episode 30. In this one, I'm doing my very best Barry White impression. I want to talk about coercive control. I did a video, I can't remember how long ago it was now, on um, it not being against the law to be a narcissist, but um, it was against the law. I think coercive control is against the law, I think is the title. I'll drop it in the um, description below. And I, this has come up three times in about three days, that term coercive control. I mean, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And in a way that is um, to help other people rather than I'm passionate about people being coerced. But I would point out that coercive control is against the law in some countries, not always, definitely um, in the UK. But I know in the United States that it isn't. So um, just check where you are. And no, although my big message is about healing from emotional abuse and divorcing emotionally from the abuser, it seems to be leading me, I don't know why, but it seems to be leading me to highlight, and it's not easy, it's not an easy message, to, but to highlight how this abuse started. And you don't walk into a relationship with an emotional abuser and just go, oh, yeah, I'm going to put up with that. You had to experience, and this is another conversation that's been coming up, you had to experience some form of not good enough parenting or being in a situation when you were growing up where you were emotionally abused. And that seems to be a stronger message that we need to, it's always been my message anyway, the original wound, where it all started, how this all started. And I still haven't forgotten about my um, video on, on the other part of grief. I will be doing that, but I think I'm just being led towards getting to that point. And it's our childhood wounds. It's what happened to us in those first seven to eight years. And I had a conversation with someone yesterday about what we're teaching our children and but also not to be beating yourself up if you didn't know that you had experienced abuse in childhood. And so that is what I'm hoping my fluffy brain with a massive head cold is going down the route of. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening. I will help you find the best habits as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level, becoming the best version of yourself. So I love a little nudge from the universe and three times, I think it was in three days, I was talking about coercive control or a situation being coercive. There was an article that appeared in front of me that was a company that had coerced their staff to do something or be sacked. I think this was like the third one. It was like, wow, this is this is going to be major. So this company 
had um, coerced their staff and then they had now reinstated them or offered reinstatement and reimbursement of of money for those that had um, walked away and said no. Coercive control is massive. I've, I became, I started getting really interested in it around about 20, 2017. And I started also following a, a court case where it was really being highlighted. I would talk about it in my book, The A to Z of Emotional Abuse. But it's where does this come from? How do you get to this point that you find yourself in a relationship and you don't say, I've had enough, or no, you're not treating me like that, or whatever it is that you are being coerced into doing. And coercive control is like these little tiny steps, maneuvering and manipulating and withdrawing people and money and food and medical. I've got some examples of some of the coercive control. It's an act or it's a pattern of assault and it's carried out through various different forms which include threats, humiliation and intimidation, isolating you from friends and family, making you feel guilty maybe for spending time with them, depriving you of basic needs like food, monitoring your time and then is also monitoring you online like with a spyware, taking control over aspects of your everyday life such as where you can go and who you can see and what you can wear depriving you of access to support services. There's a put down saying that you're worthless, humiliating, degrading, dehumanizing you. So that's taking away your name and you as a person, controlling your finances. I've done videos on sexual coercive control and financial coercive control, making threats and intimidating you. Coercive control is basically emotional abuse, but how do you get to that situation where a lot of people would say, no, that I'm walking away from this? And you might have been in a position or at a point of wanting to walk away and then you're coerced back into that relationship. It might be that they've manipulated you. They threatened to take their life. They can't live without you. And this is all linked into that cycle of abuse, taking you round and um, then putting you back on that pedestal. Can't live without you. The best thing that ever happened to me. And then they might have to keep you there a bit longer than they'd originally planned just to make sure that you are your secured back into that role. So over my years of recording videos and writing and doing them on YouTube and podcasts that I've, well, I've only started that this year, but during this time I started to realise this pattern and I've talked about abusive parents and I've talked about the narcissistic mother. Big one for me is that we have this assumption that men are the ones that are narcissists and, and the data does support that. But what about the narcissistic mothers, the mothers that are manipulative? There's no data on this. I can only go by the responses that I get and the people that reach out to me and the comments that I get, uh, that people know what I'm talking about and understand. And it's like um, I'm talking about their journey, their life, what they've experienced. And while I was doing this, while I've been doing this, this time that I've spent in this world, it started to occur to me more and more while people are saying, oh, you should be over this by now, or the other statements that they make, you know, I can't believe you didn't see this was abuse. And I started to take those and play with them and, and question why somebody wouldn't see this as abusive. Why would they stay in a relationship that was abusive? And my conclusion was that they don't see it as abusive. And this is something that people don't 
aren't talking that much about I mean I might be wrong maybe it's just the videos that I'm watching maybe there are people out there talking about it when I qualified in 2010 as a spiritual life coach I'd already been doing a lot of work around wounds from 2002 I have spoken about this before but My basic history is that one of my children was born with birth trauma and I didn't know that at the time. And I went on a five or six year search to help her basically come up with strategies and I tried all sorts. We did food, osteopathy was amazing. And so we went through a whole thing and it led me down a path and it ended up Uh, on Reiki that was through my homeopath at the time and I did my um, some Reiki courses and and then I did some massage courses and and then my marriage broke down and I was working through that and during that time I met someone and she was training in something called past life energetics and it was an amazing amazing training course that I went on and it was so deep you're healing really deep wounds and it's just an amazing experience and I retrained with her with Reiki and that was around about 2002 I was working mainly with body therapies I was then started to work in this area and then it was around 2010 I decided to do my coaching and so I wanted to do it on the spiritual side and from there I did some soul plan reading work and I did theta healing and I did my Reiki master and my Reiki master teacher. So I've got all this as a grounding and I've been working with people with these deep wounds for like 20 years. And then I experienced a breakdown of a relationship that hit me so hard. I've never experienced anything like it. The first one was bad, but the second one, I'd never experienced anything like it. And I started to see different wounds and I was able to work with these wounds. And with myself, also happened around that time was when I was teaching Reiki, all the people that were turning up had very similar wounds, very similar experiences. They were going through something similar themselves. And it was like I was being dragged into this arena and that's really how I ended up helping people recover from emotional abuse. Prior to the breakup of the relationship I'd been working in the area of clearing the wounds of our ancestors. I work with a charity and I was talking to them the other day. You can only be in that abusive relationship if you've experienced abuse we are sponges. Again, I've talked about this a lot. We are sponges up until the ages of seven or eight years old. So what we hear, what we see, how we're spoken to, how we're treated, how we're ignored, how we're acknowledged. This is all information that's being fed into the core of us. And if it's negative, we take on these beliefs. A child is not born into this world believing that there's something wrong with it. As children, we're actually born in a very narcissistic way where the world revolves around us because it's our survival mechanism. And then we go through this process as we grow, we we learn and we go through these developmental stages. But we're learning all the time. So if a child is learning to tiptoe around a parent or how to intuit a parent's needs, they're really growing their 
empathy, their empathability. And this is why a lot of people will say you, you might see a lot of information about the empath, empath and the narcissist because that child is highly attuned to the needs of other people. They've tuned in. I could walk into a room and I could usually read the room emotionally and energetically and I if somebody approaches me if they've got a huge wound and this is actually happening a lot at the moment where we are it's the first of November wow it's the first of November today 22 and I've noticed this over the last few weeks a lot of wounds are coming up for people a lot of childhood wounds have been coming up I think this has actually started if I remember rightly the week before the 10th so maybe about a month now the 10th of the 10th so there was some stuff going on then these wounds Oh, we we get them in childhood they're given to us and okay you can't see them you know you can't somebody says something repeatedly this isn't a one-off thing this is a repeated um maybe verbal abuse or physical abuse that a child is carrying in the corner maybe they can see that they are treated differently they intuit the emotions and they know how to stay out of trouble, how to stay out of a person's sphere, their energetic field. They can pick up and they'll know when it's time to retreat to their bedroom or to retreat to somewhere safe, whether it's the garden or go out and play um, or go around to a friend's house. Children know how to protect themselves. They know that it's safer to go and sit on the sofa with a book than to be in the kitchen with mum as she throws the pots and pans around the kitchen or as dad as he comes in and kicks everything in sight because he's had a bad day. They intuitively know. And it's this is where, this is our learning. This is where we are taught. This is our classroom. And those seven to eight years, and I say seven to eight years because it was just something that I picked up Again, it was really at, towards the end, the work that I'd done on my spiritual life coaching and the, where I was headed with it. A few years after I did that, I think it was about five years later, I went and did a soul transformation course. I might have done something else as well. Anyway, I, I've managed to pull all this into the, and this information that I've got and inner stand. And this is why I talk about inner standing because it's an insight. Something happens on the inside and it's not a thought process. Intuiting what is happening and what is happening in that moment. And then you land in this relationship and initially you're seen on a level. They spend the time and the money. And I talk about this in some of my videos on ROI, return on investment, something I learned about when I was in sales. You know, what you put in, what the return going to be? And that's what they work out. They've got this calculation somewhere in their brain. They know that you have good energy and you have good whatever it is, you might have a nice source of income, you might have a nice home, you might have a nice car, you might have a nice lifestyle. And they can see this. They see this and they hone in on what you can give them, what is available to them. So it's like you're standing there with your as a shopkeeper saying, this is my life and this is how I live. And they standing there going, oh, and dribbling and drooling over what they can do. So they will invest in that. They can see there's going to be a return for them and they invest in that. But the wounding has to come. You have to experience something. Somebody who has had 
consistent parenting, who's had a parent that wasn't depressed, that was emotionally available, consistently available to that child that wasn't stressed. The parents together, they were in tuned or attuned to that child. They aren't going to end up in this relationship. And if they do, they're going to pick up really quickly. Their self-worth is a lot higher. And so they will acknowledge that something doesn't feel right and they'll want to walk away. And it might be that you've done a lot of work and then you end up in another relationship. And that's how what happened to me. I did loads of work. And I was like, how have I ended up here? And it was as if I had to experience certain things, you know, but the, the abuser works really hard. They're not going to um, tell you who they are to start with. And you might be seen and acknowledged and experienced things that you've never experienced before, never seen before, never been, I don't know, heard in the way that they hear you. They listen, they want this information. And so a child that has never had that, never experienced that, they are going to think, wow, this person is like really into me. They really want to know about me. They're really invested and interested. In fact, unfortunately, they're not. What they're interested in, invested in, or investing in is what you can do for them. But that isn't what you're going to be told. And that isn't the message that um, will come across. And it's only when they start to reveal their self with some of their behavior. An emotionally healthy person will say, well, that's not right. I don't feel this is um, working for me and I'm going. And they won't fall for the manipulation tactics. They will go and shut that door. Somebody that's experienced their parenting where they've had to chase a parent, they're looking for attention, they've never been acknowledged, might hang in there and say, well, look, you know, the relationship I saw, the person I saw, the mask, the person, obviously you don't know they're wearing a mask, but the person they were portraying, you know, I, I really like that. I really like what I saw and I'm going to stay and see whether he comes back or she comes back. And they isolate you on purpose from people because they can't risk somebody demasking them. They can't risk somebody telling you that they don't, they know who they are and that they aren't healthy and you're not in a healthy relationship. So they will manoeuvre people out of your way and it might be that they might get you to question your relationship with them and create scenarios where the abuser themselves looks like they are the protector and you hand over your power to them and this is how they do it in a very slow and gradual way. Coercive control is pattern of behaviour. So it might be that they isolate you from friends and family. They might financially coerce you into a position where you've got no money and you you can't leave. They said might be monitoring your time. They might do it via social media, watching who you're talking to. And over a period of time, they take over every aspect of your life. They smear your character when you leave they might even tell people while you're in that relationship they're really concerned for you and portray you in a certain light. So coercive control said has been coming up all week and or three times in three days it was. So I thought I was I changed the the title that I had for this into coercive control. But it's still with the same focus that 
you didn't see this as an abusive relationship because you've experienced abuse before and you might hang on in a relationship for way longer than you should have done but you do that because you've been trained by a parent or a caregiver to hang on you've might have watched a parent and this was my this is where my ancestral stuff steps in you know you're breaking patterns now if we can see abuse and we can see the pattern of abuse that runs right the way through our family, we can start to stop it and say, I'm not allowing this to go any further and I'm not doing this anymore. And we can change that for our children and our children's children and, you know, forward. It's such an important step to take the healing journey. You can reparent yourself and you can pick up the wounds and heal those and you can fill yourself up and acknowledge yourself in a way that you and see yourself in a way that nobody has ever seen and acknowledged you. And even the emotional abuser, although they said they did, what they were actually doing was seeing past you. They were seeing what you had to offer, not actually seeing who you were. So it's this wounding that is so, so crucial to understand, to inner stand is the better word, to inner stand where it comes from to have these really important conversations with yourself and it's so powerful and one of those ways of doing that is journaling you sit down and journal and ask yourself a set of questions um I have done a podcast and in there are I think there are about nine or ten journaling prompts if you need a prompt to start saying in the group the other day somebody was working their way towards an event and I was saying perhaps you sit down and write x amount of weeks and five days until and how am I feeling and then just journal from there and you could even ask the child that you want to talk to how it's feeling and or if I was five years old or if I was a three-year-old how would I feel how would I handle how did I handle these situations these memories come up like little bubbles and sometimes they just need acknowledging and sometimes they need a little bit more and might need a cuddle a virtual cuddle or maybe um, some advice or maybe to be told something that's a really important part of the journey to be in a position that you can tell the child that needs the attention that is crying out to be held and touched by the emotional abuser that is looking for that attention if you can speak to that child and ask them what they really need because they might need attention and it might be coming up that they need the emotional abuser. If they've left, it might be they want to reach out. But it's not. It's the child that needs something. They don't need the abuse. They just need to be acknowledged. Their pattern that they learnt, because we are easily programmed, done loads on you know Pavlov's dogs, Thorndike's cats. I can't remember who it was who did the pigeons. There's loads of information out there how it's so easy for us to program those techniques of talking to that child, asking what it wants, and being the parent that he or she never got are crucial. This is about healing, and this for me, the journey 
is about healing the wounds that we've got, that we were given, that have been, you know, this is an evolving pattern. It just gets like that baton that gets passed on. It's a generational thing. Having the courage to say, no, I'm not, not continuing this anymore and I'm stopping. And it can be that you hurt people and not intentionally. What you're trying to do is protect yourself. And it's so hard because if you want to break away from an abusive family member, It can be made really difficult by the people protecting them. If it's a parent, it might be that the other siblings in the family can't see the abuse. They can't see what's happened and they might see you in a different way because of the stories they've been told and they grew up with again zero to seven to eight years old with everything we hear see believe feel touch is the truth and if you played that scapegoat role there would have been stories created and this is done to protect the parent and their insecure self so everyone in that family unit believes this to be true about you that you might be the troublemaker the one that's always messing it up for other people causing problems and this is where it can be hard if you end a an abu- emotionally abusive relationship your family members would wouldn't expect you to stay in that relationship they wouldn't expect you to phone every day or every week to your ex just to check in and make sure they're okay and go and visit them on a regular basis that's accepted that you can break away from that where it becomes very hard is when they are a close family member and you try and break away from that because that isn't seen as the norm. You were betrayed on some level, you were abandoned on some level, and you will have experienced shame. And those are our three core wounds. And this is where I talk about the baton being passed down. They might have been parenting from their core wounds. It doesn't make it right. And this is where stopping that abuse and saying it stops here, it stops now with me, is crucial. I hope this made sense. It's about understanding why you ended up in this relationship and what you can do about it now. And it might be slow steps that you take in taking back your power, building your self-esteem and destroying that baton. I'm sending you loads and loads of love until next time.